listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Salarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we're meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. Past the Forecast podcast. Let us roll with it. We can't be perfect. It's your first di- first day back uh, doing the podcast after a couple weeks. It's been a while. I, I would like to restart that. All right. We'll just we'll leave that part in, but we'll just we'll, we'll completely restart. Sure. We are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and this is the Past the Forecast podcast. We're back. It's been a while. There Nicholas here last week. A recorded version the week before. We're going up and down, inside and out. Finally back here July 22nd, Wednesday. Things are uh, really interesting in the world right now because we're we're looking at a return to sports and <clears throat> sports betting. And we <laughs> are there, I liked it. That's that's maybe one of the 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 pros of what you and I are looking forward to amidst the I, the near chaos we're looking at. I haven't dabbled with that in a couple couple weeks oh that's big for you <laughs> i uh i actually won some money on bowling last look at night. you yeah it's shane boltmeyer great Where director we are at here. in indiana if you're listening anywhere else uh, sports betting is legal <laughs> yes yes uh, shane boltmeyer uh advising some picks last night so got a little couple cups Our of bowling expert a couple cups of dunkin donuts coming thanks to him so he's, um, he's pretty good with uh Premier League soccer as well. That's right. That's right. But that's that's kind of the thing, you know, you and I are sort of looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. But at the same time, you know, the world is, uh, you know, we're still going through this pandemic. So we're trying to find the, the happiness out there. Yeah. One of the Wednesdays, we'll just jump right into tracking the topics here. But one of the Wednesdays, you weren't here to record live, or not live, but the day of, you were off at Cedar Point. We teased it the last time we were together. Let's dig into what your experience was like in Tracking the Topics. Tracking the Topics. So you were one of the biggest Cedar Point fans that I know. I don't know how. I I do know how. My mom's not a big fan of roller coasters and amusement parks. I lived in Michigan for over 10 years. I never once ventured down to Sandusky, Ohio to hit up Cedar Point. So I do not know the joy that is Cedar Point. You, on the other hand, would take, from what I understand, yearly trips there as a child. Uh, beyond, yeah. So so growing up in Chicago, about a five-hour drive, south side of Chicago to northwest Indiana, over to Sandusky. Um, yeah, every year, every year from, I think, I think, there was a couple of years there when I was like one, two, three, four. Like we we went one year, we didn't go the next, whatever. But I think from from about two thousand and three, all the way till now, we have gone every year at least a one little mini vacation, um, maybe say two three days. That's it, two nights maybe. A couple of years in there when things were a little more active and we were kind of had some more weekend availability. We maybe made two trips a year at one time. Two two years in a row we actually came Memorial Day weekend in the summer for my birthday and then a Halloween weekend. So uh, we go after school on a Friday and then drive up and spend a day there. Just that was that's what it was, but it was so big because the fascination that I think really drove the fact that I even have a science career is just I'm fascinated with with the way roller coasters work. I don't really have to be on them. I love riding them, but just watch them. Watch these machines. How did man the physics? How did man make these? You know what I mean? How did we make these? And as a young age, as a young kid, a young age, and, and growing up, 
always just fascinated with how things work there. But then at the same time, I've always been interested in kind of the the planning. So the operation standpoint, how are you running this thing? You know, how are you how are you letting people come and stay in this hotel and then they're all going to go into this park and it's just all the bells and whistles it all works. I was always just fascinated with how it worked and kind of fell in love with the place is kind of a I don't want to say second home because that's a little that's a little bit of a stretch, but to say every year it was like a coming home to something that I l- really enjoyed, loved. That's what it was like. So fast forward to 2020, well, we're not going there this year as a family. Yeah, things are a little bit different, obviously, this year. Right. And that's that's why you guys went there. Right. Was to see the differences. Right. And that's what was really unique as, as a longtime fan of the place and being one of those people who, when I get into something, I have to know everything about it. So Cedar Point, as from a young age, was always this place where I needed to know the names of the roller coasters, the height of them, you know, the some of the history behind the place. I just really enjoyed consuming that information. So to be able to go there on a year where things are a little bit different and get to be one of the first people in the park in 2020 as a member of the media and get to actually use Cedar Point as a medium for my job, that was kind of this coming full circle celebration, really. I really enjoyed it. You you unfortunately weren't able to ride any of the rides. This was strictly their procedures for making sure they can be open but uh, have as many people as possible into the park, right? That's right. So they're kind of doing some different things where for a while there you needed a reservation to even get a ticket to come in. Now they've gotten rid of that. You just have to buy a ticket online, and I believe once they get enough tickets sold, they then cap it off or whatever. But um, that's that's all kind of been changing. The health screening process, you, you come up, you get a health screening, and what we really saw was all the protocols in place to ensure guest safety. So, no, did we get a chance to ride a ride while we were there? We did not. Cedar Point was very, very um, gracious in, in giving us – a little bit of a parting gift um, that, to me, really stood out. They they did give us a copy of their 150-year anniversary book, hardcover book, big time. Like I said, always been a big fan of the history there. So for me, maybe not every member of the media that was there, maybe they said, oh, it's cool they gave us a book. But for me, I've almost found the stuff that I've been able to see and read in the book almost – on a higher level than what it would have been to ride one ride while we were there. You know what I mean? It was, you saw it as equivalent. Yeah, like for me, like, okay, so it's a, the, the book's selling for whatever it's selling for. I'm not sure, you know, I wasn't going to go there this year. I wasn't going to buy that book, if you will. So to be able to get get that as, uh, hey, thanks for coming and, and doing the story here, I just, like I said, it just really showed me, hey, this is really cool. You know, they're 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 appreciative. They don't, Cedar Point doesn't necessarily need a TV station from Fort Wayne there f- to help with their yearly revenue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But to be able to go there and do a story and show the people of Fort Wayne just what they're doing and for them to have this kind of uh, a parting gift was really neat. And to see some of the rides running while we were there and get to go behind the scenes and walk up on some of the rides and get some close-up shots. I mean, for me, as kind of the Cedar Point geek I am, it was really one of these, I don't want to say... 
once in a lifetime moments, but it was kind of a once in a lifetime moment. I'll go there with my family next year or friends or whoever, and we'll be walking there. And I'll say, oh yeah, I was behind that rope. Oh yeah, I went behind the scenes there. Yeah, I was allowed to walk up there and do whatever I wanted to get video for the story. So big thank you to Cedar Point. Um, I'm sure no one from there is listening to our podcast, but who knows? But right, you never know. You're telling me you didn't advertise the past the forecast podcast to everybody you saw at cedar point i gotta tell you i think my mouth was dry the whole time i was just in shock that i was there (laughs) it was it was just so cool i mean the the people we were interviewing like in a similar way you get to interview uh emmerich you saw mike emmerich um you see them on tv okay every time cedar point opens up a new ride they have their pr people who kind of announce the ride and stuff well for 20 years i've known the guy's name through the internet, but now I'm actually interviewing him for work. It just was, it was very, very cool. And I know Sierra Tufts, who went with you, also had a great time. You can find their whole story on Wayne.com. If you are interested in going to Cedar Point this summer, you can see all the little procedures and see what their experience was like. Once again, that is going to be on Wayne.com. Also on Wayne.com this past weekend... We had some severe weather. We were tracking some storms. We had a live stream of the radar up for you to follow along. You can always follow the storms on the interactive radar on Wayne.com or the Wayne Weather app. I'm done saying Wayne.com for the time being. <laughs> Lots of plugs. But I get it. that was a unique situation for us on Sunday because usually when there is severe weather, in a unique situation as in for our weather team, uh, usually when there is severe weather, I am working with Nicholas or you're working with Nicholas it's never Adam and Joe as the team just because of the way the timing of severe weather works out. And we both acknowledge that that's a rare event for us to both be in there tracking storms together. And uh, we, we do this podcast together. We hang out outside of work. So it was, it was nice to do that. Not like doing the severe weather with Nicholas isn't fun. It was just it was nice to do it with somebody else. Just like doing the podcast last week, as I mentioned uh, with Nicholas was a different experience. It's just enjoyable to have something, a little different flavor. Well, we're four meteorologists. We all love weather, but we all, despite any relationships outside of work that we've built or any sort of experiences we had, we don't really get to do weather together, the four of us in all combinations. Mm -hmm. That's what's really interesting about this job is people think, you know, well, you're on the weather team. You work with these people side by side. Well, not really, because from the beginning of my shift to the end, I'm the one that's really handling the severe weather. So unless it crosses over into your shift, you know, we're really not doing weather together per se. Yes, I'm sending you notes on what I believe the forecast is going to do, or I send it to Nick uh, Nicholas, or if I'm in for Nicholas, send it to Greg. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll pass information along to the incoming meteorologist, but it's not like we're it's not like we're, we're working side by side always. And you're right. It's probably most common that Weather, severe weather happening in the afternoon or evening, you or I is working with Nicholas. That's probably the most common thing to happen. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. And and there's there were, what, three warnings that happened during the time? Something uh, like that. We had the one in the south. We had two in Allen County. Oh, and then we got extended into northwest Ohio. So it was about 
There's about four warnings that officially were issued, and they caused quite a bit of damage, uh, especially in the Leo Cedarville area, and we also saw reports of some trees and power lines down in the Huntington area. So they packed a little bit of a punch. We actually had a gust up near 65 miles per hour at uh, FWA uh, in the afternoon with those storms, and the timing of those storms allowed us to have that teamwork moment because it was right in the middle of the handoff. So whenever we have a potential for severe weather, the meteorologists here at Wayne 15 are in contact with one another, seeing, uh, I'll text Joe and I'll be like, hey, do you need me to come in half hour early to uh, take the handoff for severe weather? And that's pretty much essentially what just happened on Sunday is that I was here early and Joe handled the cut-ins until 2.30. And then after 2.30, that's when the handoff uh, typically happens, and then it was my ship to sail, I guess, but Joe was right next to me in the weather center, and we were, Joe, Joe stuck around a little bit longer, which was nice of you to do, and Absolutely. was keeping social media updated there. I was in the middle of a cut-in, and we got an alert for some hail reports, and you typed it up on the computer. Our computers are all connected, so I was able to see what you were typing up. You passed along that report to me while I was on the air. In a non, in a more uh, modern era way to do so, instead of you running in and handing me a piece of paper, you just typed it up on the computer and got my attention with it. So I was able to report some uh, pea-sized hail, I think, on the southwest side of Allen County. I was tempted, I have to tell you, I was tempted to go print it off, print <laughs> off the report on one of the really uh, large National Weather Service report pages and come bring it to you so you'd have to decipher and see where exactly the report is. Um Old school. If you ever do that, please just highlight the important yeah, information. Yeah, right, right. Because <laughs> I, um, I remember watching back in the day in uh, Chicago, uh, two meteorologists, both Jim Ramsey and uh, Tom Skilling, both from WGN, they'd, they're kind of how we have our weather helm. They have a secondary weather desk that they mm-hmm. can broadcast from. There's a big printer right next to it. And so they'd be sitting there doing the severe weather, and then they'd pull them the camera shot out to them and then they would just pull it right out of the printer. Oh, we got this going on. Oh, we got this going on. And it's like, that's kind of neat. Um, but that's, that's a thing of the past now with the national weather service chat that we have and the different resources. Yeah. Technology definitely made it easier. Technology almost ruined one of your cut-ins. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me. Right after you did something awesome <laughs> with typing up a, a, a heads up that there was a hail report, uh, our computers, as I just said, are all connected. So sometimes when you or to move the mouse on one computer to take it over, it takes uh, control and it delays the reaction time on the com- uh, on the computers to get it back to having control. Joe decided that he was going to take control of the computer that I was using for the cut-in in the middle of my cut-in. Complete accident. And it, that stuff happens. I think I played it off fine. I just sat there and I kept talking while I was sitting there shaking the mouse to get it to uh, take control. And in the corner of my eye, I did see you freaking out that, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah, well, because so our computers are labeled two and three are weather computers. Two is the one you use on air. Three is kind of uh, the backup one that you use for the Internet or whatever. So I was going to grab a radar image and tweet it. And so I thought I pressed three, but I thought about how I saw two out of the corner of my eye, and I think I pressed two, and then I hit escape, which turned your show off. And then when I, I noticed my show went off, when it did that, <laughs> I just put my hands up and said, "Oh no!" And that was also the exact moment that I was going to use the mouse to highlight something and put a track on a storm. 
I could have done a lot worse. You could I could have. have zoomed into the cell and and You could have zoomed in on something completely different and I've been like, okay. Okay, and we're going to go here. This Sorry, is what we're going to do. You know, but that's the kind of thing that I miss about college really is when we would do severe weather coverage, everyone wanted a piece of getting just to be in the room and to kind of help out. And I miss that feeling of, you know what, it's Saturday at 2 a.m. and we've all been here all night Friday night for a moderate risk. We're staying, waiting for the storms to come in. The coffee's going. We're having fun. All of a sudden, a warning goes, all hands on deck, person at the wall, people at the desk anchoring it. We've got a person in the back directing it, weather person driving on radar. I, I miss that teamwork that you don't always get when you're just doing a couple cut-ins on yeah. the weekend for some severe thunderstorms. Did this last event warrant having team coverage? No. It just happened that we had right. two meteorologists in at the same time. Right. It, it, it was, as I mentioned, there was damage, so it wasn't a benign event. It was more so maybe your typical severe weather event where you get a few trees down. Solid slight risk. Yeah, it was a slight risk, level two out of five, and it was something that a single meteorologist could have handled on their own. Right. It Absolutely. wasn't like the event we had earlier on this year where we had that line of 80-mile-per-hour winds moving in here. That's a little different story. Yes, it is. But, uh, yeah, no, I had fun. I had fun with it. I think it, it, fun is a loose term there because, of course, you're trying to make sure you're getting information out that can protect life and property. Um, As we mentioned before, though, severe weather days are the days that we look forward to most because that's almost like a mini Super Bowl for us. Well, yeah, it's like you, you when you know there's going to be severe weather – I don't know if you do this, but I my operation in the morning is a little different. If I know severe weather's coming at noon or one o'clock, I get into work. I am, I got like Apollo thirteen music going in my head. Like I switch into a different mode. Yeah, as well. there's like a different. There's a usually there's, I'll there's sit, a, a focus. I usually joke around in the newsroom, but if there's severe weather on our doorstep, I switch it over to a more serious mode, and I know exactly what I need right and how to prepare. It's a focus. Yes. It's a it's a game face, if you will. There it, you go. That's a term. It's very exciting. Yes. And uh, it was Where nice to po- do. Apollo 13 music. Where did that come from? It's a fantastic movie, though. It is. It is. Uh, but, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. Glad the damage wasn't too bad. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Until the next time. Until next time. We'll wonder when the next time that you and I will be in together doing severe weather. Realistically, that could have been it. That could have been it. You never know. Exactly. Well, you also took advantage of one of the uh, drier periods over the last couple of days. Uh, was it yesterday? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Monday had, was a nice day. It was a beautiful day. Had some family in town for the first time. We headed out to the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo as guests. I've done a three or four stories there. I've been in the zoo in certain exhibits for things. Actually, August 22nd of last year, I remember it specifically because one of the reporters there kept saying, it's August 22nd, you brought kangaroos in. It was, it was about their new Australian kangaroos. And, Aussie, uh, Aussie, Aussie. Yes, and they kept, uh, it was like this big joke going on there. I, I know it sounds hilarious. I remember oh. a date specifically. But, um, yeah, that's, I was there that day for the kangaroo story, and I was there for the zoo reopening because of the pandemic stuff. Uh, but to actually be there as a guest, that's an awesome zoo. I have never, I've been here for over two and a half years now i've never been to the zoo as a guest or even for a story really really 
I've brought up story ideas. I love the zoo. I just, for some reason, it's something that doesn't click in my head that I can go do. So I look forward to hearing more about your experience, and I'm sure I will uh, be checking it out here sooner rather than later. So what was your favorite thing about the zoo? Low capacity. You, you liked the <laughs> less amount of people? It wasn't packed. You really had time to... I went to uh, the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago last year on a busy July day, and it's just, you know, you're trying. Everyone wants to see the Nemo fish, but you gotta you gotta make room. You know, it's tough. But this this was cool because they're given the the protocols in place from the state with everything going on with COVID. There's there's a reduced capacity that they're operating mm-hmm. in which which i liked you know also because that makes me feel more comfortable there you know you've only got i think i believe it's 50 percent or something like that capacity they're rolling with um i don't know i really enjoyed it i i had been to the australian part of the zoo before so big fan of the kangaroos obviously i got to do a story there so that was pretty cool um i thought the tigers were pretty cool i i'm here's the thing this is going to start a little debate here but oh boy sierra and i did a poll where would you rather go a zoo or an aquarium and everyone picked zoo but a lot of the comments said some zoos like the fort wayne children's zoo have aquarium as a part of it and i'm not here to knock on the aquarium part of the children's zoo there's a difference well they had they had some sharks some some small sharks they had a tank of fish some jellyfish and then they had some stingrays like that's more than most zoos aquariums will have. So I will right. get, I, like I said, I have not been to the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo, but that from the zoos that I have been to that have aquariums, it's usually a few fish, maybe a few. And inside of that is also like the snakes. They're all kind of combined into one. Yeah. And I'm not going to knock what was there because I really enjoyed it as a whole as a zoo with the aquarium side on top of it. Now, for me, I'm more of a fan of marine life. I enjoy aquariums a lot more, and I enjoy zoos side by side. Put me in the best zoo with the best aquarium. I'm going to choose the aquarium 10 times out of 10. What would I? That's just me. I love jellyfish, and I think penguins are awesome, but there are penguins at the Four Wayne Children's See, Zoo. See, penguins are at most zoos right? from what I've experienced. Well, because I believe there's a, a few types of penguins that can handle the 80, 90-degree heat outside. I just, I'm trying to think, which way would I lean? I have enjoyed, I've been to the Shedd Aquarium, beautiful facility, enjoy it. Uh, I've also been to several fantastic zoos. And I'm trying to think about which animals, I think, I think I would probably, at this moment, go to a zoo over an aquarium. Because. Been a while? It's been a while since I've been to a zoo, and also. I can see more variety of animals, if that makes sense, than fish. Like, not to say fish are just fish, but I've seen a lot of sharks because I've been to... I, I, whenever I go down to Myrtle Beach back in the day, I used to go to the Ripley's Aquarium hmm. every trip, and I would go down there. I went down there once a year for eight years. So I've seen sharks. I've seen the same things it's still cool to see but to see giraffes and 
zebras and uh, you can just you can feed the giraffes at the Fort Wayne Zoo if I believe yes I believe that's true they when we were there at the giraffe kind of lookout spot they were all a bit further in the distance um, pretty interesting fact one of the giraffes at the, the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo is the oldest giraffe in North America oh yeah fun fact yeah, indeed. apparently that I learned they only normally live to about 28 years old this particular giraffe I believe is 30 31 Ooh. so they're you know they're Every day, they, they believe it's it's a blessing to have uh, the draft there. But it's pretty neat. You're like, wow, right here in Fort Wayne. Really impressive zoo overall. Really I, impressive. I've heard nothing but fantastic things. And I was misunderstood when I started here. I thought because it was a children's zoo, that meant expect it to be a little bit less than you know what a zoo might normally be. I've never been to the Central Park Zoo, but I would assume it's, that based on the name, it would be a smaller scale zoo. Right. It... What I learned is it's called a children's zoo because all of the viewing potential. So if you go up to uh, one of the the monkey enclosures or the panda enclosures, there's not like a big wall blocking people who are one or two feet tall from seeing them. It's all see-through. So because the viewing is catered towards younger, smaller people, that's why it's a children's zoo. Fascinating. Regardless of how many animals they have, how detailed it is. It's just catered towards those who it's specifically set up to where anybody can enjoy it. So, and that's, I think that's the way it should be done everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I Like I said, to know that that's how that was, that changed my opinion of maybe wanting to go there. And then I, myself was there. My sister was there. She's a couple years younger than me. My mom was there. We're not children by any means. I mean, some would. Some would say sometimes I act like a child, but no, we all, we all enjoyed it just as anybody else would have. It's pretty cool. You see these animals that you never get to see. I mean, pelicans are cool. Final thought on the zoo. How likely would you be to recommend it to a friend, that friend being me? Oh, I would do it. Five out of five. Five. Five out of five? As a Fort Wayne resident, something you got to do. Okay. Well, I will do that by the end of the summer then. You have my word. I will visit the zoo by the end of the summer, barring any COVID restrictions. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the tough part is you're trying to plan and things are changing. But if you get out there, enjoy it. You definitely will. Let's move on to what the hell. What the hell? What the hell today revolves around space. Once again, working in space specifically, how does one construct the International Space Station? It is fascinating to watch. I know I say fascinating on this show a lot. I'm going to start to work on uh, limiting my be use like a swear word. of fascinating. Yeah. But I am <laughs> truly fascinated by how they, first off, constructed this, and second off, they how long it takes to do just a simple little procedure, like what they were doing. I think they did one yesterday. Spacewalks. Yeah, I... This, I believe the two astronauts who recently launched aboard the SpaceX mission, they both have completed now 10 spacewalks uh, since they've been up there. And what I didn't realize, a spacewalk, they take like five, six hours, if not a little bit longer. But think about it. They have to get into the suits in the space station where the cabin's pressurized. Then they have to go through an airlock 
And that it's it's not like you can just walk outside. There's prep. I mean, when they wake up, they're like, "Oh man, I got to do a spacewalk today. I got to go." I don't think they're things. that begrudgingly saying. No, it. but it's like <laughs> I, I got to do 15 things before I can step outside. When I wake up, it's oh man, it's nice outside. Make my coffee. Step outside. You know what I mean? I got you. It's a little uh, different. If I were about to go walk outside in space, I'd be like, maybe not grumpily or and not too excitedly because like i said there's a lot to do but i'd be like okay cool i get to go walk outside in space no i get that for sure but then to (laughs) see that they're out there that long it's interesting and they have the all this equipment on they have these giant gloves they can't turn a screwdriver yeah so they have little i'm assuming drills or screwdriver gun they have the equipment tailor-made for them to they can adjust how how strong they want the torque to be, which is, from what I understand, very precise amount of torque needs to be done so you don't strain anything that you're putting on the the space station because everything needs to be pressurized at some point. What if you break something in space? <laughs> well, it won't make a noise. You can't just drive down the street to Menards and pick up another. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to... You got to make sure you get it right the first time, and I'm sure they've got some sort of backups up there. But you you got limited backups, though. Right. I mean, you you don't get to do things ten times. No extra Lego pieces. Right. Exactly. Good way to put it. So I think it's very fascinating to see these guys. And NASA has a live stream constantly on YouTube where sometimes they'll cut to them up there. And not that I'm saying I wouldn't want somebody watching my every move if I'm out there on a spacewalk. I would want somebody making sure I don't float away. That's number one. <laughs> but but to have you know people watching me while I'm trying to fix the space station or build onto it, I mean, I don't know. I've been known to throw a hammer once or twice if something's not working. You know what I mean? You <laughs> this can't do drill that in space. isn't working. I'm just going to... There it goes. Off oh, to the oh um, guys, we're going to have a piece <laughs> of space junk falling to Earth here probably in the next two days. Yeah. <laughs> I just threw the drill because I was mad. it got jammed. <laughs> yeah, that's what well, you and I would do. That would be tough out there. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's cool to see, and it's exciting to see the progress still being made up there. I think they were adding an airlock for some kind of commercial space uh, spaceship or something commercial. I think they were getting it to uh, connect up there. It seems like the plans for what's to come to the space station are extraordinary. So hopefully, we continue to see the progression of that over the next few years because. Do you rumor, want to go to the space station? Rumor has it, eventually commercial trips into space will be available. I don't think they're going to stop at the space station, though. Maybe you'll get to see it, though. Oh, there it goes. Wave to the astronauts through the window. I, I don't know how close you can get. I'm on my space tour bus. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to have rock bands flying to the moon to do rock concerts for the executives that are stationed on the moon. I can see it. I it, can see it. How soon can you see it? Aerosmith on the moon, dream on. Okay, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. That would be Dreaming to the citizens of Earth. Something else not going really great for us, Adam. I know. What the hell is up with our extended guidance, our weather model guidance? Yeah, we keep seeing signs of a heat dome, which would have locked in 90-degree temperatures, and it is not verifying. No, it's like the so we have our two main players, the the GFS, the American, and then you've got the European model. The European last 
five, six days of the run, it's just it wants to keep building this extended period of hot air and over it's not region. just hot. It is smoking. It is upper 90s. <laughs> and then you contradict that with our American model, which is. It was going 70s at 70s, one point. 70s, upper 70s. That's what we're dealing with right now Man, is a 30-degree swing. It's <laughs> tough. What are we going to do? So we we see the trends continuing to show still above average temperatures, but not nearly as above as what we were thinking probably five, six days ago. Uh, there's still some 90s in the forecast, and the humidity is going to pick back up. These last few days have been real nice, though. A little bit of rain help us get out of the uh, the abnormally dry and some minor drought conditions that we're seeing in parts of the area. Uh, we'll continue to get updates on that. I think they, they're going to release the latest report here soon uh, for how we're doing and add in the uh, the rain that we just experienced last night. will actually not be on this upcoming report, but next week's report because I think they're done on Tuesdays. Sounds right. And they're released, I think, on Thursday. I think that's how the uh, the timing is done on that. Regardless, it was nice to see some rain, get some lower humidity after that. Temperatures in the 80s. Yes, Saturday was rough. We didn't quite get the the big time heat index values up here on Sunday because of the storms coming through. But Saturday was ugh, three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, it was instant sweat. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was not a fan of that. I came into work. I think our AC was having issues in the newsroom on Sunday, especially on Sunday. Yeah, I felt that when I was leaving after severe weather. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting at my desk it, all of five minutes just closing things out, and all of a sudden I started feeling myself sweating. That's that's not fun, Adam. No, it is not. When you're sitting there at work and you're trying to do your job, so I moved into doing the work in the studio. I usually work in the newsroom and then move into the studio about an hour before the show. Now, I was in the studio right after we were clear of severe weather. I was in there for the rest of the day. Took me back to high school. No air conditioning. Ooh. We had air conditioning in our cafeteria in a hallway leading to the cafeteria, and then in the band room. High school is a tough time to not have AC. Oh, man, sitting in algebra, just sweat running down. Like, you, you could feel the moisture on your arms. Well, not everybody in high school wears uh, deodorant still. Oh, that's true, too. Uh, I'm talking about the, the the puberty that is happening there and, and the, uh, the, the smells of people not wearing deodorant. And I went to high school where you had to wear a uniform, so you had to wear oh. a polo and khakis every day. Do you have gym, too? I actually never had gym. That's a funny story. I'll tell you outside of the podcast how that <laughs> happened. But because of some of my other commitments, uh, I satisfied that credit. Oh, nice. Yes. So I never had gym, but I was outside in it, in my polo and khakis, for other reasons. Uh, musical reasons. Ah. Yes. Oh, there's a little bit of marching band going on? Yes. There you go. Hour and a half. What instrument was it? I played the mellophone. The mel- I've n- what instrument is that? That's a French horn converted into a marching instrument, so it's uh, it's a marching French horn. Okay. Because if you try to march French horn the way you hold it, it, it doesn't do too well unless you're like in the United States Army Band where they still do it. What great core strength it takes to do that, truthfully, to hold a horn sh- like steady so that you can buzz into it and play it. Incredible. The mellophone makes it a little bit easier. Shape of a trumpet, just a little bit bigger. But I, yeah, I definitely picture you as a uh, trumpet guy. That's what I initially thought. No, no, trumpets are those trumpet players tend to be a little more. Uh, they're the hot shots of the band. Exactly why I thought you would have been a trumpet. The French player. horn players were the weird people. 
All right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the heat dome not working out uh, as we expected, but we still got, what, a month and a half of summer left? Sounds right. And we're still we're, we're, we're flirting with 20 days at 90 or above so far this year. Record set back in 1983 of 50. You can go back to last week's prop podcast. Nicholas and I had more uh, more stats for you on the summer heat. Hopefully we stay below 90. I can deal with the 80s. I've gotten used to the 80s after dealing with 90. I'll take it. And no offense to the French horn players out there. I'm right <laughs> there with you. We are we are who we are. Let's move on to hits and misses. Hits and misses. You talked about it a little bit. Rain on Sunday. That was our severe event that also moved in. It kept us from getting the heat index values up near 100 degrees like we were thinking. But we also saw better rain coverage on Sunday and even this last Tuesday than what we were anticipating. I think a lot has to do with just the the nature of the systems moving through. Um, Sunday was a tricky one for us. We thought we thought things were going to develop along a cold front later in the afternoon. Instead, we had kind of a prefrontal line that developed, and it just blew up. I mean, the coverage was just expansive. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of moisture in the air. Uh, we talk about we don't talk about it on air, but uh, precipitable water, uh, just about how much moisture is actually in the atmosphere able to be precipitated. Like if you were, uh, what were some of the values that we had? Cause, You're close to two inches. So like, that's basically saying, if you were to take every ounce of water out of the clouds right. out of the atmosphere, you could get two inches. Yeah, like if you compress top to bottom, into you know if you compress it together, you'd get two inches of water. That's up there. Yeah, that's that's that we typically will see a half inch to an inch of values, but whenever we start to get over that inch mark, that's that's real juicy air there. And it's that time of the year for that. Uh, yeah. but when you tap in, you combine that with the dew points we had, which were in the low seventies. I mean, we were we were ready to see some rain. So we got and, it. And we saw it on Sunday and it resulted in missing for our heat index values and even probably for our our high temperatures. But also we saw it again on Tuesday, and and Tuesday was more of a uh, tricky one because you didn't know if the MCS, the mesoscale convective system, was going to develop at that far out. Right. Tuesday morning, you could make the argument that, okay, you start to see some things developing, and by the afternoon, you could have bumped up. I think you and I had rain chances at 30% on Sunday for Tuesday. We took, uh, They were taken down to 20% because uh, it just it didn't look necessarily as good as what it looked like over the weekend. And in hindsight, if I were to be the one forecasting on Monday, I probably, to make me feel good about verifying... I would have probably had to have the chances at 60 to 70% for the rain that we saw on Tuesday in the afternoon, not counting the rain that we saw overnight, which is what we were mainly anticipating was definitely seeing rain Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. It was the Tuesday afternoon rain that was the tricky one. Yeah, it's just so hard to describe to people what, what we're looking at. There's no organized systems this time of the year. It's just remnant mesoscale convective vortexes, just mini low-pressure systems that form on small scale boundaries and they result in some of these bowing lines of storms that don't show up on model data 
and they kind of just ride the ridge of instability, right? They'll they'll sustain from Iowa to Illinois to Indiana, and you could be the night before and not necessarily see it even being a factor, but then the morning of, all of a sudden, there it is. It's a challenge. It's a big challenge. And that's the nature of this time of year, as you said before. Our hit was Monday. So in between Sunday and Monday, or Sunday and Tuesday, Monday, as we already said, was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day to go to the zoo, Joe. Hmm. And that's what you did. That's right. It, it was, was nice out there. It was, what, in the 80s? Something like that. Some overcast skies to keep the sun from getting too hot? The biggest thing was the reduction in the humidity, briefly. Yeah. It wasn't as, I mean, yes, it was humid, but you could walk around. It wasn't nearly zoo. as bad. It, it would be humid if we didn't just previously have three straight days of a tropical air mass. <laughs> yeah, you're walking around the zoo. It's not like we were walking around with sweat just forming on our arms and our forehead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was very relaxed. It sounded like a beautiful day. It was not bad. I would take it compared to past Saturday where, like I said, instant sweat. That's oh. I don't like that. You can't even golf on those days. No, you can't. And our past the forecast inbox question deals with something that also makes golf difficult and also provides some relief from the heat. Let's check it. It's the past the forecast inbox. All right. Brandy. Brandy here with a big question for us. What causes wind? Wow. This is back to uh, meteorology 101 class. So wind is caused by the difference in pressure gradients. So we have, you'll hear us talk about high and low pressure. And between those, you have these gradients. If you ever see a a weather map, you'll see the bars that circle the low pressure systems. And whenever you see those bars really, really close together, that's going to be a signal of a tight pressure gradient. So pressure varies drastically over that space in a very short amount of distance and that results in strong winds if those bars and the gradient is spread out much weaker winds the air's got to go somewhere so that's why whenever they're tight together the wind is strong uh, wind picks up and is stronger yeah that's what happens in this the fall spring and winter where you get these beautiful weather systems to come through low pressure systems where you have such a tight gradient that Some days we've got 40, 50, 60 mile per hour winds that are just associated with the synoptic wind flow in the atmosphere. Nothing to do with a storm or anything like that. Take the summer now where we have a a core of heat over the region and it's really dominated by a, a core of high pressure out in the Great Plains and there's not these big time weather systems moving through to drive your winds up. So whenever we have these this lack of those big-time weather systems, what's the cause of, say, uh, what's the difference between, say, a windy day with a storm versus day-to-day wind? Sure. So a windy day because of a storm? The wind associated with a storm. Yeah. So, I mean, in a storm, you could get a gust that's 65, 70, 75 miles per hour instantaneous. And you could have some higher gusts with a thunderstorm. But once that storm moves on, your general wind gusts might be down, you know, 10, 15 miles per hour. Compare that to some of those high wind warning days we get at other times of the year. And you could have those extended periods where you just hear it in your apartment or your house. Just the howling wind for hours. Sustained winds of 30, 40 miles per hour with gusts up to 60. 
That's the difference. And, and, and the wind caused for those storms is basically downdrafts. Right. Versus the pressure gradient. Right. Associated with a storm scale mechanism versus the large synoptic, large scale flow in the atmosphere. Good answer. I think it worked. Yeah. Hope Brandy enjoyed that. Anything else you want to add? Excited for baseball to start up. Yeah, uh, baseball's coming. Hockey's coming. Hockey's next week. We'll probably dabble in that. Basketball's coming. Basketball's next week. We'll probably dabble in that. Five months till the winter solstice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. No, of course you didn't. I did. Yeah, you're ready for winter. I'm ready for fall. It's about that time of the year where the viewers are going to have to start dealing with me on the weekend mornings with my Sierra. Four months till uh, the winter solstice. Oh, she's going to hurt you. Oh, she will. She will. Well, she had a problem the other day. <laughs> oh, I'm only talking airing about, of grievances. Okay. I'm only talking about this because we both we both settled this on air. I got a picture from her of her car thermometer at two in the morning saying it was 78 degrees. And she said that's too hot. This is the same person who has her heat <laughs> on in her car until it hits 65 degrees outside. Uh, you know what? Sierra's a great co-anchor, great, great team member. You don't agree with her temperature choices. I don't agree with her temperature choices. But I know that come January, I'm going to walk outside in those 15-degree days, smile, enjoy the crisp winter air, and everyone else is going to hate it. But I'll love it. Yeah, everybody else will hate it. Well, that's all we got for you today. We'll see you next time as we try and be... Ooh, we need a number. I don't know. What's a good number, Adam? I'm pick a number. Any number? Hmm. Can we do a negative today? We don't want to be negative percent right about the forecast. How about a dozen? Sure. Three point one four percent right about the weather this week. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne Fifteen. <laughs>